Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today, because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... What? Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart, Brian. Every day, we rise. Challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol... Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Unseen Paranormal Podcast. Just want to give you a quick note. This audio was taken from... My interview with Centrator Hill live on video for International Podcast Day. A big shout out to Jeff Revilla for putting that on and heading that up. And we just had a blast doing it. So I decided to take the audio here, put it out as a podcast episode. You can also go check out the actual video is up on YouTube uh, for your viewing pleasure. So enjoy this live audio from International Podcast Day 2022. As always, thank you for listening. Stay safe up there. Join us as we dive into the history, hauntings, and high strangeness of the world to try to better understand the paranormal. I will be your guide. I am paranormal researcher and investigator Eric Freeman Sims. Welcome to the Unseen Paranormal Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to International Podcast Day version of the Unseen Paranormal Podcast. Normally I don't do video, I just do video for things like this in any pods. But I have my guest here, Sin Schrader-Hill. She is a paranormal author, researcher, and investigator. And um, I'm happy to call her a friend. She's been on the show before, and we're going to be doing an awesome convention coming up at the end of October. October 22nd, if you're in the Middle Tennessee area, uh, we will be at the Wilson County Fairgrounds in Lebanon, Tennessee from 10 to 6. And tickets are only $10 at the door. I'll be emceeing all day, and me and Sin will both be uh, speakers that day. So excited for that coming up. If, Like I said, if you're in the Middle Tennessee area or Southern Kentucky or you want to travel and come see us. It's a Saturday, and hopefully it'll be a, a nice day, too. But how's it going, Sin? Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And I'm so excited about that Paracon coming up. The yeah. You know, the money they're taking in, half of it's going to the Senior Dog um, Sanctuary yeah. in Mount Juliet. Mount Juliet, Tennessee. And then, yeah. yeah, and then the other half is going for an historical upkeep for a cemetery in Memphis. So they're not keeping that money. It's going for something good. I'm yeah. I'm so excited about both of those. Yeah, and it's called uh, Phantom Paws and Historic Cause. Try not to mess that name up. Always gets a tongue right. twister. So always mess it up. But uh, yeah, tickets are ten bucks at the door. We'll be at the Wilson County Fairgrounds, Lebanon, Tennessee, and the um, the Senior Dog Sanctuary is amazing. I don't know why anybody would give up their senior dog, but people are people. Um, I have seven rescue dogs. I never think about getting rid of them. But uh, they, they're they there for that service, and they do an amazing thing, and they have an amazing facility for these dogs to retire in and live uh, out their happy, full lives. And then the cemetery that you're talking about is in Memphis, Tennessee, and this uh, gentleman who I believe he is the head of Memphis Ghost Hunters, and he found the cemetery, and I, I believe he bought it at auction. They were just going to – it's just an old defunct cemetery, lots of old graves, but there's lots of history there. And so he uh, has been taking donations the past few years and cleaned it up, and he does ghost hunts there and he does historical tours and kind of saving this old cemetery, which is really cool. So I'm, I'm glad that all the proceeds are going to those two awesome causes. But, uh, today we're talking ghost and the paranormal with Yay. you. Yay. And it's so, that season. I'm so excited. Is. This is, yeah. This is my time of year. And you've got, uh, three books out right now. They're speaking. Are you listening? The most compelling EVPs. Whispers in the Dark, True Ghost Stories and Eerie Tales, and Web of Terror Short Story Collection. So how did you get started in being a paranormal author? Uh, you know, I just fell into that. Um, with all the investigations that we've had over the years, you know, some are funny. Some things happen that are hysterically funny and not meant to happen like that. And it just yeah. comes across great. And then other things are just creepy. So 
I had all of these investigations under my belt with my team and my my co-founder, Sean Rader. And I had always wanted to write something, but I didn't really know what I wanted to write. And then I got into this and a friend of mine, Mark Elliott Fultz, who does the illustrations on all my books and the covers and the inside illustrations, he was writing already and already had one out. And then I helped him. I proofed the second and then on his third and fourth one, I actually put those together for him. So uh, I edited and then actually put everything together for him. Um, he, of course, did his own illustrations and put those out. But when we were doing that, he said, don't you have a book? And I said, I've got one. Well, I've actually got four or five in my head. But he said, you know what? You need to write it now. It's time now. And he kind of gave me the little kick in the butt I needed. And uh, the their speaking was supposed to be my first one. That was because EVPs are my baby. I love audio. Love it. Yeah. And the name EVP, my team, came from not only the electronic voice phenomena that I like to find, but also everything around where I live is called Elk Valley this, Elk Valley that, Elk Valley whatever. So Elk Valley Paranormal just came naturally. So that was my team name. And then my audio clips that I was saving, I was saving, they were, they were some real ominous, some funny, some, you know, weird and well, most of them, I guess, are weird. And all of them in that third book, you can actually hear on ElkValleyParanormal.com. So as you're reading the book, you can go to the evidence page, do the pull down menu for their speaking and listen to every one of those that's in that book. That's why it took so long to write that third one. I was trying to figure out how to get the EVP so people could actually hear them from what I heard and tell the stories that went with them. So that book kind of sat in the back. And I, I wrote my first one, Whispers in the Dark, all my ghost stories and my friend's ghost stories, 23 short stories. And uh, of the 23, um, there's only five that aren't in Lincoln County. So Lincoln County, if you're not familiar with Tennessee, is in southern middle Tennessee, right on the border. And I live about 30 minutes north of Huntsville, Alabama. So anyway, most of those stories in that first book are from this county. There is one from Lynchburg that uh, a twofer, actually, one that um, Chrissy had part of the story. And then I had the other, the second part of that story. She gave me two stories from when she lived in South Carolina. Um, I have a story in that book from the time I lived in Arizona and one also when we went on vacation in Georgia. So everything else is in Lincoln County. And, and for those who don't know, Lynchburg quiet. is the home of Jack Daniels. If any, anybody listens, yeah. doesn't know, it's not from Tennessee. It's the home of Jack Daniels and it has a huge haunted history. There's so many haunted buildings in Lynchburg. Yeah. And, and the one that, those stories were taken from is the Lynchburg haunted home, which used to be um, started as a home, a house. And then it developed into a mortuary after that. Um, and I think that it was a couple of other things in between time, maybe a florist and something else. I'm, I'm not sure exactly of all that history, but um, it's, they are still uh, doing tours now. So if you've not been to the Lynchburg haunted home, it's creepy. It's yeah. really creepy. They've still got all the mortuary tables and, you know, the embalming room and it's just creepy. <laughs> yeah. 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 And what, what you're talking about your, your book um, where you can go to the website and actually listen to EVPs. That's kind of a unique thing I've never seen with any other paranormal author. And that's pretty awesome because, as you're reading about this location and you're talking about, you know, we caught this evidence, you can actually go to your website and it matches up the way that you have it all 
laid out to where you can actually listen to these EVPs and hear exactly what, what you're talking about, what you heard. Yeah, I was, I was super excited about that. One of my favorite EVPs, and I think I told Miranda this, you introduced me to Miranda, the ghost biker. Yeah. And, uh, we talked uh, a few nights ago. And one of the ones I told her, my favorite one, it was at a residence here in the county. And they were having a lot of things happen um, that they couldn't explain, some uh, weirdness going on, a, um, a lot of nasty smells that would happen and just weirdness. And um, we went out there and I could feel somebody was next to me. I didn't, I couldn't see them, but I could feel they were there. So I was taking pictures going from room to room. And I just said, I felt like it was a man, but I wasn't, again, not sure, couldn't see this thing. And I said, okay, I feel you going into the next room. Come with me. So I took more pictures in the next room. And I said that about two or three times. And about the third time I said this, the spirit on the EVP that I captured after the investigation, because I didn't go through my evidence until after the investigation. And I did not hear this in real time, but he said, I've got better things to do than to follow you around all night. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> grumpy, grumpy spirit. <laughs> grumpy little old man. Yeah. yeah quit, quit telling me what to do. Yeah, and there's another EVP that I believe this was before you uh, started Elk Valley Paranormal. You were at your uh, business that your father had ran for many years in that building, and it's the we just don't get very many animal EVPs. And so this is always one of my favorite stories of yours. If you want to talk about that, okay, okay. So my cut. Let me back up and tell you the backstory on that. So my cousin um, had had experiences in her business and she had gotten this team to come down from McMinnville called um let's see ghost hunters of southern Tennessee and she liked them and got along with them and so she gave me their information to reach out to. At this time my mother and sister had had the store old store closed. It was an auto parts store that my dad started um back in the um, mid to late sixties and then kept it. He died suddenly and unexpectedly right before his 69th birthday in 2001 on September um, 27th. So that was a hard time to get through. And then leaving an auto parts store with his wife and daughter to try to run against Walmart and O'Reilly's and advanced and in AutoZone, it just wasn't happening. And so they had to make the decision to close and it was heartbreaking. It was completely heartbreaking, but um, the building stood vacant after she sold everything, still had the building itself and the property. And so I would go down there once in a while and I knew something was going on. I I didn't, I didn't know exactly what, but I wanted to see if my dad was still there because he had spent so many hours down there. And I asked this same group to come in and they did. And when they came in, they did a part of the investigation. I was the trigger object. I'm I'm moving my cat over here on the side. She's trying to yeah. lay down on my notes. Um, she was sneaking in the side a minute ago. Did you, you, <laughs> you know those rascals? I've got three of them, <laughs> so you might see all three of them before it's over. But she's trying to lay down on my notes. Um. So anyway, this building, I'm going to have to completely move my notes. <laughs> so this building was actually built, the the basement part, in the late 1800s. And then it was added on to it became uh, a Red Cross building after a while and um, an ice cream place. Uh, I can't remember the name of the ice cream dairy that made the made the ice cream. But anyway, it was several different things over the years. In the late 1800s, it was a turkey slaughterhouse. And in the basement, there were these two huge vats still standing that they used to boil the turkeys in. 
and hooks hanging from the ceiling, different things like that. And it was just creepy down there. Um, at that time, the road was right outside the door. So that was street level. Over the years, that became the basement because they built the road up so much. And you could see the top of the door and the top of the windows from the sidewalk outside. So um, first floor became basement. And uh, anyway, when they came in, the the they caught two EVPs. One was just really, it had to be taken back during the dairy days or even turkey days. I don't know. But it was a, they said, holy mackerel, and that's all they got. <laughs> my dad never said that. Nobody in my no. family ever said holy mackerel. But, you know, it was a thing, I think, for a while. I think people actually did say that. The other EVP they caught in the basement was turkeys clucking. So we had turkey ghost in that story. <laughs> I will tell you, though, that my dad did show up. Um, the only thing that lit up the entire night of the investigation was exactly where his office chair used to sit. And there were no utilities on for at least two years prior to them coming to investigate. So nothing was on. There was no water, no electricity, no gas, nothing. And exactly where his chair had sat is the only place that the K2 would react. Yeah, and for anybody that doesn't know what a K2 is, it's an EMF meter, electromagnetic field meter, and it, it just measures the electromagnetic field. That And, and that's why you were saying there's no utilities and there's no electricity, because you can take one around your house and put it to a light or the computer or your phone, and it'll it'll light it up. And so, yeah, that's odd that there was no no electricity or anything, and that's that's the place where it lit up. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had a um, – the only other animal EVP that I've ever experienced was or know of you don't hear about them too often maybe dogs barking uh, i've heard of those but we were at rosemont in gallatin tennessee uh doing a public ghost hunt where we sold tickets and the public general public got to come investigate with us and my buddy lee from medics for paranormal he was in the office where they used to sell the horses so that's when they go in and do the business they have this the door that goes outside that was the side porch but it didn't it doesn't have steps going up to it because the people would sit out there and they would bring the horses up and the horses were so tall that they wanted this four foot uh, porch for the buyers to see the horses because Rosemont was not a plantation. It was a thoroughbred racehorse farm. And uh, they actually produced the grandfather of secretariat. So that's wow. how famous yeah, and how, how good their horses were. But um, in this farm office, uh, you, I have the EVP. I wish I would have set it up to play it, but uh, you can hear a horse whinny. And uh, inside this house, the walls are two foot thick brick in the middle of a modern city. There are probably not what? horses within 10 miles of this house. So there's no reason for a horse winning. And uh, so I thought that was really interesting. And the, and the fact that it was a thoroughbred racehorse farm was pretty neat. Uh, that that property is cool anyway. They hid some of their horses. They were occupied by the Union during the Civil War. And they hid some of their prized horses in the basement. And would walk them at night so the Union would take them because they confiscated most of their horses for cavalry. And uh, they would walk them by moonlight so they get exercise and they hit them in the basement. <laughs> so that place is interesting. Wow. Lots of horse history. Yeah. And down in the basement, we would also, uh, a couple of times we've gotten, using little cap balls, as everybody calls them, cap toys that light up when you move them. And we've set them on the floor in the basement. And it's a brick floor. There's no moving. Like this brick has been there for so long. It's ingrained in the ground. You can jump around these things. They don't light up. But whenever we start talking about horses, we'll get them to light up in the basement. So Man, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Some of the horses are still around there. But, um, yeah, I just the for whatever reason, the animal things fascinate me. And I've had my own, as of course, as you know, uh, we'll talk. We'll get to that in a little bit. But you also, uh, with your group EVP, Elk Valley Paranormal, Y'all were the resident paranormal team for the hospital there in Fayetteville, Tennessee, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And y'all got to be part of Ghost Adventures when they filmed there. But y'all did a lot of stuff at the hospital. Hospital, you have lots of interesting stories from there, too. Y'all had some resident spirits there as well. Yeah, it's it's just, that's actually the most haunted place I've been to. Um, 
it's there's a lot going on. Um, my team was not exactly part of Zach's uh, show at all. As yeah. a matter of fact, the owner um, was so disgusted with them that he he said, "Sin," he said, "I'm not going to even introduce you to this guy. He's just." <laughs> <laughs> and maybe I shouldn't have just said that on air. Oops. Yeah. Oops. Nah, you're fine. But uh, what, so, it, what the ghost of Venture Mafia is going to come get us? I'm not scared of that. Right. Guy. I talk. I talk smack about him all the time on my shows. So. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, you've seen my memes that I post about yeah. him. So okay. yeah, he's he's not a favorite, and that's okay because you know everybody can't be your favorite. Right. So right. <laughs> when he came down, he actually came down with a story of his own that he was going to say was the hospital haunting. And uh, we got through to him and uh, a couple of other people said, well, you know, there's a little girl in there named Mary and ah, I've already got a story. I've already got a story. You hadn't even been in there, dude. Right. Hadn't even been in there. And so Finally, after the third person said, you know, there's a little girl in there named Mary. He goes, well, maybe we should see if we can contact this Mary. You think? <laughs> and he did. And he threw his script away that he was going to do, which was the smartest thing he could have done because he actually had a one of his better shows that looking at it, the only thing. I question, well, there's two things I question. <laughs> One thing was the shadow he saw in the basement. I'm I'm going to just go ahead and say that could have been a person walking outside. Yeah. There's a, there is a window on a door that was facing that way. And there are so many people around that area. It could have been a person. So that I would have had to throw out. The other thing he said was just creepy. You never ask a little girl, especially if you're an older man, if she wants candy. Right. And he asked yeah. the little girl if she wanted any candy. And I went, Ooh, you know, that little girl's going to run if she's really a little girl. Yeah. She didn't want anything to do with them. But yeah, otherwise they actually did a fairly decent investigation because they threw their script out. So that's the backstory on that. Um, well, now we're there we to tell you that you should take it as entertainment. If they're coming into a place with a script already, instead of listening to people like you who know the history and the hauntings because you've investigated there forever and so many times, and they're coming in with a preconceived story and they haven't even talked to anybody like the owner or to you or to get that script or that story, people just need to understand that it's entertainment. And exactly. if, if they show, if they sh shown on TV, what we really do, people wouldn't watch it. Cause it'd be boring. Cause most of the time exactly. we're sitting in the dark talking to things that we can't see and then wanting a response. And they might film for four or five days to get one EVP to where we're there for maybe five, six hours, eight hours at the most, depending on the location. And you know, we might not get anything. I, I always akin it to fishing because you might catch something, you might not, but it's like fishing. You know, it's our hobby and we love doing it just like fishermen do. So. And you never know when you are going to get a really good right. EVP or yeah. some really good evidence. So you always go back to see if you can. Yeah. What, what's some other experiences that you had in the hospital? Um, one of the stories actually from the first book is called Time Warp, and that took place in the hospital. Um, we were having group tours for the owner, and we had 30 people in at one time. So I split my team up so we could take 10 people at a time. 10 people went up on three, 10 on two, and then 10 stayed on the first floor. And we made sure that. The first floor people, uh, we always had maternity and the ER separate. So half of the time we spent in the ER, second knew and third knew when we were going to change halfway through to go to the other end. That way they would switch as well so we wouldn't contaminate each other's audio yeah. and any kind of investigation because this building is huge. And they 
or on the second floor, which is the most notorious floor at that hospital. Some, uh, some of the strangest things have happened up there, and I honestly can't explain them. I have no idea what the heck has happened. But one thing happened the night that we had 30 people there, and we actually had a second 30 people coming within an hour. So we had to, we were almost done with this group and I had finished the first floor and left my team member to finish up and had come back to get some more equipment. Um, my third floor people finished and came down. And then all of a sudden, my second floor, Sean, my co-founder. And then at that time we had Yoda um, uh, our friend from Nashville and Matthew, who is like my right hand guy that even now will go to me with, to go with me to investigations like at Bar Harbor and stuff. He just didn't want to be a part of a team per se and wanted to just do things on his own or with me and Sean. But, um, he was still with the group at this time. Those three guys came down their eyes were about bugged out of their heads. And Sean came up to me, threw his equipment down and said, I've got to go. And I said, no, 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 you can't go. We've got 30 more people coming in. You cannot go. Right. And he said, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. He was visibly shaken. And I was like, what the hell happened? He said, I, I can't talk about it right now. I just can't talk about it right now. So he had to go outside, get himself together. And I wasn't sure if he was going to leave for the night or not. So, you know, who knows what's hopefully he can get himself together and come back into the hospital. But about that time, Yoda and Matthew came up to me and said, Sin, I, I, I don't know what just happened, but I, I, I can't. I don't know. And I said, just tell me what happened. Just tell me. So Yoda says. Well, we started down the West End, like we always do, and we were going to stop at the nurse's station. We never got there. <laughs> and I said, what? So you stayed on that end? He goes, no, we started on the West End, but then we were at the East End and we never got to the nurse's station. I said, what? what are you talking about? And, and I said, Matthew, he goes, that's not exactly what I had. And I said, what exactly happened? Do you think? And he said, well, the wall never opened up. And I said, what are you talking about? The hallway? And he said, yeah. He said, you know how it's thin, skinny on one end of that hallway. And then toward the middle, it opens up. And then at the middle, the very center where the elevators are, it's a big room that you have to cross to get to the other corridor on um, the east side. He said that never happened. We were in the hallway, the narrow hallway the entire time. And then all of a sudden we're at the east end. And I don't know how it happened. I said, where were the elevators? He said, we never saw them. I never saw them. And, wow. and Yoda wow. said, you know what? I don't remember the elevators. They weren't there. That old wheelchair wasn't there. Nothing was there. So by this time, Sean had gotten himself together. And when the, I said, okay, go get yourselves together. We'll figure this out. We'll talk about it later. Sean comes in and he says, sin. He said, I don't know what the hell happened, but there was a little boy up there and I saw the little boy and I was trying to figure out, is that somebody that's supposed to be with the group? Do I need to try to clear this building? You know, do I need to get my gun out and try to make sure that we are on the only group up here? What do I need to do? And he said, <clears throat> this little boy, <clears throat> excuse me, was at the far end of the hall. And going down toward the east side, and he was watching the little boy. So he never saw anything but the little boy. The other two never saw a child. Yeah. <clears throat> so 
in this time frame, three different stories came out. So I was talking to Mark Elliott Fultz about this. Excuse me. And he said, most likely it was a time lapse. There was some kind of fold that happened. And usually something like that happens in the woods or, you know, a forested area where um, elementals can kind of manipulate a little bit better. But evidently it happened on the second floor and it warped and all of a sudden they're at a different spot and they don't remember anything because there wasn't that time. It just was not there. Weirdest thing ever. Yeah. So what do you think about that? I find it interesting because I talk about this a lot on the show um, about you can have 10 people in a room and you can have a apparition develop in front of you, show up in front of you, walk in the room, whatever. And each person will have a different experience. And so somebody may see it as a mist. Somebody may see a full body apparition. Somebody else will see it as a shadow figure. Somebody else will see it as just legs or a head or, you know, everybody will see something differently. And I find that interesting. And I've even seen it happen to myself when I've been investigating with other investigators where everybody has a different version of what happened. And it's not because it's always completely different. So it's not like just little bitty details. It's like you're talking about these huge details and this completely different experience for each person. And that, yeah, that's pretty amazing that all of a sudden they're just at the other end of this big hall and yeah. yeah, And there were some big landmarks that they, they should have seen like the elevators, even if they missed, you know, the dark, the nurse's station, but the elevators, the fact that you're going into this open area with these elevators and they never saw that. And then the other guy, all he saw was this little boy. It was kind of transfixed on that. Yeah. And nobody else saw that little. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, the whole whole thing was just weird. That that second floor, the whole hospital is just a strange place. Yeah. But the second floor is just notorious. Um, we found out that you know before it was a hospital, it was a, a teaching college, and some of my relatives from way back in the nineteen twenties went there to become teachers there was at that time that it was called Bryson college and you can actually look at pictures of the yearbook online. You can look up Bryson college in Fayetteville, Tennessee. And um, it was until the early 1930s that they were there and offering the teaching school. Um, At this time they formed different groups, you know, like we have, um, in in college, the fraternities and sororities and the music, the band and, you know, whatever groups, you know, the, um, I don't know, all of the groups that you have, well, they would make some and they would come up with really strange names for them. But I guess back then it was just part of it. Um, one of the things that we found was three men came up with a group called the unlucky three, three, three club. And they, they had a certain motto and they had um, a certain flower they'd chosen and all of it was just weird, but it said that they met every Friday night, midnight in the local cemetery, which was three blocks away. So at midnight on Fridays, they would go and have their little meeting. What was it about? No idea. But Unlucky 333 kind of put us on guard like, "Mm, you know, maybe they might have been doing something that they shouldn't have been. We don't know. But we do think that two of those men are still there. and. We have, Sean specifically has spoken to them and with some very strange results. So we believe one of them there is one of the shadow figures. And there's a lot of shadow fig- figures in that hospital. I've seen a dog. Um, I've seen 
several different shadows. But this particular one, um, I'll tell you a story about Sean on the second floor. Sean cracks me up all the time anyway. And it's usually on the second floor. So one night during a group hunt, it was a small group hunt this time. And we were all together on the second floor. And Sean liked to do the, um, everybody turn your lights out. Let's let your eyes get adjusted to the dark. And maybe we can see some shadows and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, we actually did. And he went walking. Somebody, I think one or two of the people went behind him walking and the rest of us stayed back. I was filming. We were uh, trying to record stuff and watching for other things while he was walking down, talking to whoever might be there. So he gets down <laughs> toward the elevators and gets ready to turn to the OR section of the hospital. And there's a shadow figure. And he moves because he thinks it's him at first. Okay, let me make sure this isn't me. Yeah. And the shadow doesn't move. So he kind of stands there for a second. And at this time, he realized that the two people that were with him are back about 25 feet just to see, you know, got kind of creeped out. I'm going to let yeah. you go first. So he's up there by himself the shadow thing in front of him. And all of a sudden <laughs> the shadow starts vibrating and Sean was glued to the spot. He was absolutely glued met, you know, Oh, Oh crap moment. And it vibrated side to side and then went phew, down the hallway and into one of the rooms. He comes back, he comes back and goes, okay, I need to take a break. And I said, what happened? And he said, sin, there was this shadow. I thought it was me. It wasn't, it was vibrating. It was going back and forth. And all of a sudden it was gone. And I have laughed so hard at him and we went trying to look for this thing, but of course yeah. it was not there after that. But the fact that he had had that experience was just classic. It was so great. So great. <laughs> so a lot of these stories are in, in your books that are out now that are available on Amazon, Kindle, and uh, in other places online on your website as well, uh, elvalleyparanormal.com. But you have a new book that you've been working on that I am is such a pleasure that I have a story in this book. But uh, it's about loved ones coming back and uh, giving messages and, and even animals. Mine was an, a dog that I had that, that still comes back. But uh, but so what what inspired you to write that book about the, the family members and stuff coming back and giving messages? You know, I I don't know. It was because I normally write, write spooky stories. It's normally ghost stories. And this was just put on me to write for some reason. So I got the idea somehow. It was put, just put on me. And I knew I had a couple of stories because I knew my mother had heard my dad in the house taking a shower and she'd heard my grandmother her mother walking in the kitchen of course they weren't there yeah so i started i just put feelers out i didn't think i personally had enough to make a book but i thought well you know let me just put some feelers out to see if anybody has stories of either deathbed visits like my grandmother when she was dying she saw her mother and father and some cousins and they had been dead since the early 1900s and um a couple of them a little bit later but you know that's who she saw that's who she saw right before she died 
So they were coming, were they coming back to get her? Were they coming back to yeah. help her? Were they coming back to say, you're going to be okay? We don't know until we're in that spot. Right. But I can write about what others have told me. So I started getting all of these stories from all over, all over the United States. I've even gotten one from England that sent for this, for this book. And hers is actually about a cat and her grandfather. Really sweet story. And it was just amazing to me, not only <clears throat> deathbed visits, but people coming back, leaving uh, coins, leaving feathers, leaving, um, you know, a scent in the room, a, a, a favorite song starts playing a specific time of day. Um, the, the red birds that people talk about a lot, wind chimes, just, it was just one thing after another and it just blew up. So it's, it's going to be out. I, I'm, waiting for the last, I'm actually waiting for Miranda, our friend Miranda, to send me her story. And then I've got one other person sending me hers. And I've got to finish the one <clears throat> that is the hardest thing I've ever written <clears throat> about my nephew that we lost in April. Um, he was my baby. Uh, I started writing this book started thinking about it at the end of 2019 and I had just put out the third book. So got the idea to do this. And then in 2020, for whatever reason, you know, everybody had problems in 2020. I lost yeah. motivation, complete motivation. Could not write, couldn't think about writing, just wasn't into it. Couldn't do it. It went on through 2021, still didn't have it back. I had originally <clears throat> thought about getting it out by Easter of 2020, and that didn't happen. I was, I was talking to my good friend Valerie on the south side of the square, um, and she said, how's the book going? Like, I've heard for umpteen times, and I, right. I say, eh, it's not really going right now. And she said, you need to get on that. You need to write that. When, when were you going to bring it out? And I said, well, it was going to come out Easter 2020 and then Easter 2021. And it just hadn't come out yet. She said, well, you know what? It's all, it's a month from Easter now. So why don't you go ahead and get on it? And I said, well, let's see. How. She said, do it. I said, okay, I'll see how many I can get done by this Easter. And she said, good enough. I went home and banged out 17 stories. Just boom, boom, boom that next week. Um, to give you an idea, I have, uh, right at 52 stories and that's chapters kind of. So some of those chapters have one or two stories in them. Some have three, but the next month on the 6th of April, I lost my, the person that means the most to me in the world. I don't have children. He was my baby. Yeah. And uh, my sister, this was her only child. She had been told at 16 that she would never have children ever. Uh, five miscarriages later, actually four, there was another one after Wyatt. She got pregnant with this miracle baby. He was born just under a year after my dad died in 2002. So not only did he save my sister, he saved my mom from this deep depression she had gone into from yeah. the loss of her dad. And for me, well, I just fell in love with him. I I had never wanted a child, never, never liked being around babies. And I fell in love with him. He was, he was my baby. So, um, 
he ended up being my mini me. He would do everything with me. He went to murder mysteries with me. He went to, um, he danced with me, uh, all the things that my husband wouldn't do. Right. <laughs> and he was just the best. I could always count on him. He would, he would call me and say, Aunt Cindy, are you busy? Nope. What you need? Well, I was thinking about Olive Garden. You want to go? Let's do it. <laughs> you know, we just go. He's yeah. just, he, we just thought a lot, a lot. He was the most talented person I've ever met in my life. Um, could play anything. And his guitar skills were just outrageous, just phenomenal. So anyway, we lost Wyatt. And about three weeks after the funeral, it hit me. That's why I lost motivation. That's exactly why I couldn't write for two years. This book is supposed to be for Wyatt. Yeah. So his story is going in it and the book is dedicated to my baby, to Wyatt. Um, we miss him every day and we miss him. Oh, I've never hurt like I've hurt losing Wyatt. And yeah. that's nothing compared to what his mother and his grandmother have gone through. But anyway, this book is for him <clears throat> and it's going to be finished within this coming month. And I hope to have it. It would be great to have some at the Paracon. I don't yeah. know if they're going to be available that soon, but it will be done this month. That, so that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, you, you, uh, the, the last time we talked to my show, I kind of told you, we were talking about animal spirits and I kind of told you about my dog chase and you were like, Oh my God, you have to, you have to write the story and send it to me. And so I kind of put it on the back burner, forgot about it. And then you're like, Hey, I'm putting together a book. And I think that's why I'm putting together the book. I think that's when you were writing like the 17 stories real quick. And I was like, okay, I'll get it down. So I sat down and I wrote it and uh sent it to you and yeah you, you're nice enough and liked it enough to to put it in the book so i'm excited about that that's pretty awesome it's I, a great yeah it's a great uh, story yeah does he, and i'm just gonna, does he i'm not gonna tell the story him? i'm not gonna tell the okay. story because i want people to read the book when it comes out but yeah he still comes around he does and we just had to put down another one of our dogs a few months ago and i've actually seen him a couple times so um yeah. And so, well, I'm an empath anyway, but I'm not, I'm better with living people's energy than I am dead people. Um, I've just, I guess, honed the skill of dealing with living people's energy more than I have with, with the dead. But, uh, yeah, for whatever reason, the dogs come around a lot. I've had experiences with, uh, my mother coming back around. Uh, she passed oh, away wow. in 2000, 2009. And, uh, every once in a while, she, she wore a really distinct perfume called Jovan Musk that I don't even know if they make it anymore. And, I know what um, you're talking about, though. And we've completely, I live in their house. I inherited my parents' house. And we've completely remodeled. So there's no reason why this perfume would still be in the walls or, you know, anything like that. And I'll be walking through my kitchen, and I'll just catch a whiff of it. And it'll be there for about 10 or 15 seconds, and it's gone. Um, I've also had visitation dreams from her and both of my aunts that have passed away. Wow. Um, very lucid, vivid. I'm talking remember every detail when I wake up dreams about them and that's pretty it's pretty incredible because you know even if you have a weird dream or a dream that you remember it's never you never remember all the details you just remember the weird parts of it or whatever you know oh that's a strange dream but these dreams were very i was very lucid i knew that i was asleep and dreaming and it it was just like they were right there with me saying we're good and it's all three of the dreams have been in the same setting it's like a park setting with a park bench and I'm always sitting at the park bench. And uh, when about probably six to eight months after my mother passed away in 2009, uh, it was probably into 2010 is when I first dreamt of her. And we were sitting at this park bench and she looked happy and healthy. And uh, she had Alzheimer's really bad um, when she passed away. I was raised by my grandparents. So she had Alzheimer's really bad. And um, she's happy, healthy. And we had a conversation and she told me that she's fine. And we're in this bright, you know, sunny day in this park setting. And then uh, when my aunts, two of my aunts passed away, it's the same setting. Um, 
for whatever reason. And uh, this is not like a place that I know or, you know what I'm saying? It's not like a specific park bench or, you know, something like that. But, yeah, very interesting to have them come back. And then my two dogs showed up as ghost dogs at my house, which is pretty interesting. Um, I still hear their nails on the floor. And I have seven dogs, but they go out during the day into their pen and they come in and out. And, but they stay outside, you know, a couple hours at a time and then they'll come in the house. And I'll hear that when there's no other dogs in the house on the wood floor. And then I'll catch well, just a little white butt going around the corner and I don't have any other little white dogs, you know, and that was, that's chase. And, and I catch him all the time. Do any of your other dogs now react once in a while? Do you see them watching something or? Yeah, I've got a couple of them that do and they're just like, whatever. Cause they, they, I mean, he was here while they were here. So they're just like, oh, that's chase. You know, <laughs> um, one of the things they all started doing, even the three dogs that we didn't have when chase was around. Uh, whenever he would hear a siren, inst- he would try to mimic the siren with his howl. It wasn't just like a dog howling at a siren. He would try to mimic the siren, the wail of the siren, the way it goes up and down. <laughs> yeah. And even the three dogs that weren't here when he was here started doing that. When they're outside what? and they hear a siren, they, yes, they used to just howl. And then they started doing that, trying to mimic the siren. And so I think he's still around, like teaching them, teaching them. Old, yeah. You know, bad habits i guess (laughs) that's that's awesome though it's interesting yeah and then of course i have a i have a resident ghost too a human ghost those are always fun yeah he's a it's it's a civil war soldier that i'm pretty sure i brought home when i was a teenager and he's been around since but we had to have a come to jesus meeting and and because so he'd leave us alone he used to wake us up uh every night for i don't know probably a month shaking our bed and uh always liken it to the old um, beds that motels that you put a quarter in and they would supposed to be massaging <laughs> yeah. the whole bed just vibrates that's what this felt like right. somebody had their hands at the bottom of the bed just shaking it and so we finally just had to have a come to jesus meeting like look we can cohabitate i don't care why you're here you can move on if you want but you know if you don't leave then i'm gonna get rid of you uh if you don't leave us alone i'm gonna get rid of you but you can stick around he's stuck around i see him every once in a while and uh it just my number one rule is don't bother me when I'm sleeping, and the second rule is don't pop up behind me in a mirror. Um, <laughs> and I, actually, I had an experience where he accidentally did that. Uh-huh. He manifested as a shadow through the door, and I was standing in the bathroom and I could see the door, the white door in my hallway, and it was closed um, to my office, and I could see the door behind me, and all of a sudden I just see this shadow come like through the door and manifest from the door, and it like stopped, like oh I've been caught, and it goes. <laughs> down the hallway because it's like i did the one of the things i'm not supposed to do you know that's kind of the sense that i got but yeah it was kind of funny. <laughs> it was an oops moment oops. yeah 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 it was like it just stood there for a second went down the hallway <laughs> that's you hysterical know. yeah so yeah just a paranormal life in general just like you've had you know all these paranormal experiences yeah. and the more that you look in the paranormal the more it looks into you and so the more that we do this for a living, because we both do this for a living, um, the more experiences you have just out of the blue. And maybe it's, I don't know if it's, I think some of it's because we're paying more attention because, you know, we go out looking for the stuff. But, um, but I think a lot of it is because, yeah, it starts paying attention to you when you start paying a lot of attention to it. I think that's so. a lot of it. Yeah, because um, once you are open to finding whatever out there they kind of magnetize to you they kind of know you know and some of them can be bad that's that's why everyone needs to be really careful if they do get into paranormal investigating Um, make sure that you uh, don't do it by yourself uh, especially if you're first starting out and go with go to a group that knows what they're doing. There's a lot of groups out there that unfortunately don't know. And maybe it's because they're um, starting out and seeing everything that's been on TV and just thinking that's the way it's supposed to be. Um, Like you said, these teams come in for a show and tape over uh, four to five days. I know Zach was down uh, to be at the hospital for four days. Yeah. To get that 
45 minute slot, you know, because you got to put commercials in. So it ends up being what, 40, 45 minutes yeah, of a show. Yeah. And um, they're actors. You know, they're they're actors. Yeah. There are some really good investigators on TV, some very good ones. Yeah. And ones that you can actually watch and believe them. Uh, what they're saying is what they're telling you. And I, I believe them. Um, again, there's some, but um, yeah. just know that it's dangerous opening doors, especially since none of us know what's on the other side of that door. Right. You know, um, Mark is one of the most interesting people. I, I, you know, I want you to meet Mark. I, I think you would enjoy talking to him, Mark Elliott Fultz. Um, he actually had to have paddles on him, I think, three times. He, wow. They brought him back. Yeah. But in yeah. that time that he was out, he went toward the light and he saw all these people coming toward him and calling his name and people that he didn't know in his head, but in his, the cellular structure, he knew them. So yeah. they were like ancestors of his, that his, his insides just knew who they were without him actually knowing them um and he can tell you you know what it's okay to die <laughs> if if it comes to that point there's 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 a it's the end of your life and then there's something else after that it right. doesn't end it doesn't just end because energy doesn't die it changes form but it doesn't die right yeah, and so, yeah. I, I've seen way too much, too many things over the 25 years I've investigated and, and been a research paranormal. I've just experienced too many things in my own house. And I call myself a skeptical believer. I say that all the time because I will be the first one that would debunk something. Yeah, but, and you have to. Yeah, but there's lots of things that I can't explain. I had a, I had a just real quick before we end here, had an experience at Thomas House. We did a, a public investigation um, a two, over two nights. Thomas House, you get to spend the night and they feed you dinner and breakfast and but uh we did uh two separate groups one on friday and one on saturday well saturday night i came out on the front porch and everybody's out there chatting and smoking taking a break and i look it's about 150 yards to the highway from the front porch at thomas house and i look down at the highway and out of this like cluster of bushes beside the mm -hmm. side of the road i see this person what i thought was a person walking down the side of this highway well this is in a rural county in tennessee you can't count out meth heads in the middle of the night just walking down the highway. You know what I'm saying? So that's the first thing that came to my mind. This is like 2 o'clock in the morning. You know, you never know. So I watched this person for about 10, 15 seconds walk about 20 feet. I, I figured out it was 20 feet to this light pole, and it had a street light there. This looked like a solid person just like me and you. This person did not walk out the other side of the light pole, and I had full view of the other side of the light pole. Wow. Walked from behind the bushes to the light pole. And it just kind of it, like it disappeared into the light pole. And I immediately got on the walkie talkie and I'm talking to other investigators. Do you have anybody at the church? Because you can go over the across the road and investigate the church or down by the pool. And they're like, no, everybody's, you know, here at the Thomas house up on the porch or or upstairs in the rooms. And, and so we immediately walked down there because I wanted to see the distance and I wanted to see if there was maybe it was an optical illusion that the person could have disappeared, you know, when they got to that. No, no. So I, we went down there trying to debunk it. But it looked like a solid person and then just wow. disappeared. Yeah. And that was just a month ago. Uh, but wow. A month and a half ago in August. Yeah. That's probably one of the, this year. That's probably the, I've had lots of experiences this year investigating, but that's probably the, the top one. Pretty, you know, and, and now that you say that things are ramping up now because the veil is getting the thinnest. Yeah. So around October 31st, November 1st, 2nd, that's when the veil is the thinnest. So things are starting to pick up. But um, it's interesting you say that because I think the last couple of years with all the turmoil 
and uh, all the upset and just all the weirdness going on. I think that has put more of the weird energy out there. So things are happening more. Do you think that too? I do. And I think part of that is because like we were talking about, the more you look in the paranormal, the more it looks at you. I think so many people were home with nothing to do. And so they started noticing more. And so I think that's yeah. helped ramp up the energy. It also has seemed to help ramp up a lots of people's fascination with the paranormal who weren't necessarily into it before or really they had questions there. They watched the TV shows. But I think now a lot more people are going out and doing like the public ghost hunts like I do where they can actually experience the stuff firsthand. And they're finding out that it's not scary. There, there's no demons. You know, I'm so sick of that with Ghost Adventures and Zach Baggins getting possessed every episode. It's ridiculous, but that's a pretty different story. But, yeah, um, though, he is going to get bit. Yeah, yeah. He's he's going to get yeah. bit. For real. Yeah, for real. For something's going to happen to him. Yeah, he's going to get possessed yeah. or something. something's really going to happen to him. But uh, you can't go in and, and yell and scream at spirits. You're going to come across the wrong one at some point in time that doesn't care if there's a TV crew there. It's really going to mess him up. That's right. In his personal life or yeah, something's really going to go bad. But, um, but yeah, I think with COVID and people having so much time on their hands for so long, I think it somehow infused, you know, that world, uh, the paranormal side of things, the other side of the veil, the other dimensions, whatever you want to call it, uh, with a kind of renewed energy source maybe. And, um, and maybe with the uptick in paranormal events and, you know, live events people can go to too. Maybe that's, because I know a lot of these uh, historical places that I deal with in Middle Tennessee, they wouldn't have survived if it wasn't for uh, paranormal groups coming in and renting the places out and doing investigations. Because there's usually only, what, four or five of us? So you can right. social distance and all that stuff. And if you're around each other anyway, uh, COVID wasn't a big deal. So you could go in these places and investigate and spend $500 to rent it out for a night. And that kept their doors open because they had no tourism dollars right. coming in. And so... Um, there's a lot more places to go to now. And I would tell people, if you're interested in it, come to one of the a public hunt. They're all over the country. You can buy tickets for cheap, 25, 30 bucks for most of them and go out and experience exactly what we do for real. But uh, we're going to widen down here. Got a couple minutes left. So your new book will be out very soon. So hopefully October 1st of November. I'm excited about that. Like I said, also um, they can find you on elkvalleyparanormal.com social medias, all that good stuff. Anything else that you want to talk about real quick before we go? Um, just real quick about demons. Um, in all of the things I've done, I've not encountered one. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and, and it's not like I'm looking for one either. I don't want to yeah. encounter one, but I have never, I've had some, some ominous things happen and some, um, the feeling where they jump you and you just, yeah. you know, headache and just nauseous and all that. Yeah. And I told them leave. They had to leave. Yeah. And normally they do. But no, I've, I've not dealt with a demon and don't want to. So. Yeah. I've, I always say if you're an a-hole in life, probably going to be an a-hole in death. So, yeah, if you're nasty in life, probably going to be nasty in death. Why would your why would your demeanor change? And yeah. and we could talk we could talk about that for a whole nother hour about <laughs> spirits and their demeanor and what could cause them to throw things and scratch people and things like that. But um everybody go check out my show. I'm all on all the social media platforms. I am on uh, anywhere you find podcasts or music. Also my website, unseenparanormalpodcast.com. I've got merchandise up there as well. And I will be everywhere around the middle Tennessee area in october tomorrow i'll be in gallatin for a fall festival um october 14th doing the unseen paranormal podcast live on stage at the palace theater in gallatin uh teamed up with my buddy brandon from southern gothic podcast and uh, we're gonna do our shows live on stage live audience that'll be fun i got a special guest uh, my buddy alan searcy from southern ghost stories will be joining me on stage that day uh, to talk about the history and hauntings of gallatin and the and the haunted palace theater where we're doing the shows from and then um, October 22nd, we have the Paracon at Wilson County Fairgrounds. And then on October 29th, I will be at the Pumpkin Festival in Franklin, Tennessee. Lots of other things going on, too, but that's just off the top of my head. So, all right. Well, Jeff, we thank you for having us. 
Thank you um, so much. Thanks for coming on, Sin. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having us for International Podcast Day. Yeah, this was so much fun. Thank you so much. I, the more two things. One, I love the sugar skull uh, behind you on the dresser. I, I keep looking at that. Is, is that foil or is that uh, like a tin uh, sign? It's, it is a laser cut, um, whatever, you know, the big metal piece. Yeah. My husband can tell you he got it for uh, me for <laughs> our anniversary. Wow. I love it. And I also realized that I, I, I'm probably maybe the worst person to take on like a you know a tour or to find, you know go hunting I, I don't I don't exact word for it even like the etiquette I never even thought about things that you would never do you would never yeah. like offer candy or or do yeah. things and I feel like I'd be like almost like the the crazy cousin from uh, National Lampoon you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be the worst person but this was great thank you so much I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, we'll have all the recordings available. We'll go back. We'll get it to you as well, Eric. You can release it as a podcast on a future episode. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Sin. Thanks so much. Everybody have a good day. Enjoy. Join us next time for a new episode of The Unseen Paranormal. Until then, head over to The Unseen Paranormal Lounge on Facebook for all the latest updates and discussions about the show. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, or at unseenparanormalpodcast.com. And please rate review, share, and subscribe to help more people discover the show. The Unseen Paranormal Podcast is proud to be the ambassador for paranormal for Verbal.com. A big thank you to my friend Chris Lips for the awesome theme music. You can find more of his music on Apple, Amazon, or Spotify. And as always, thank you for listening.